my goodness gracious, I will never cease to be amazed at what God can do if you just give Him the opportunity. Are you glad you showed up to church this morning? I'm so glad that you're here too. We're going to have so much fun today. Um, if you're a guest that walked in after service, kind of got going, welcome to Eastgate Church. We're so glad that you're here today. It's an honor to have you with us. You're no longer a guest. You're family, so kick off the shoes and relax. We're going to get into the Word of God today. We're going to continue the series that we're in on the book of Jonah. Has this not been a great study? It's been amazing. But before we get neck deep into this, I want to encourage you to be a part of something that's starting today called 21 Days of Hope. 21 Days of Hope. Um, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, then you probably don't know what this is all about. Let me tell you what 21 Days of Hope is. Today marks us being 21 days out from Easter Sunday. Isn't that crazy? That close already. Now, if, if you're like me, I can't wait to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. But what we thought would be awesome. We were praying about this, and this opportunity presented itself to us. We thought, well, let's just do this 21 Days of Hope thing. This is kind of like a digital missionary journey in a way. Um, and what it is is it's uh, kind of a discipleship thing for the church. It's a growth experience for you over the next 21 days. There's no classes. You have to sign up digitally. Everything will be digital. And what you're going to do is you'll get emails um, with Bible studies, uh, with some in-depth stuff as we prepare to go into Resurrection Sunday. You'll get challenges to help you not only um, appreciate what the Lord has done through His res resurrection, but you'll get challenges to be able to share that with other people as we get closer to Resurrection or Easter Sunday. And it's real easy to take part of. Um, all you have to do is pull out your phone. So let's do this. Whether you're going to follow through with this or not, I believe that you will. So everybody take out your phone and the way you get started is really easy. You just text the word HOPE to the number 770-525-7994. The number and information's on the screen for you. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a prompt uh, text back to you to start the journey. And you're going to see videos from some of the staff encouraging you along the way in this process. I'm going to be doing this too along with you because I love growing. I don't know about you. Anything that will take me closer to who God has called me to be, I'm all for it. And I believe as we get closer to Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day that all of us will be in another place spiritually. We did 21 days of prayer and fasting and it rocked us as a church. Amen? Rocked us as a church. I believe 21 days of hope will do the same thing in a different way as God grows us and prepares us for Easter Sunday. So if you would take a second, you guys watching online, uh, you can do this too. Like I said, it's a digital experience. There won't be any classes here at the church, but you'll get uh, daily emails with these devotions and challenges. You'll get text messages from us as a staff a couple of times during the week just to encourage you and keep you on track. And this is going to be a great growth journey for all of us. So let me encourage you with all my heart to, to jump in on that and just sign up today, whether you do it or not. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. But just sign up and give it a chance. And I believe that the Lord will do something through this to grow you and mature you in your faith. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's get into this message today. Jonah. I like Jonah. I like Jonah because he's a little bit like me. He's bullheaded. 
Can anybody relate with that? In a good way. Like stubbornness can be a great tool if it's applied in the right direction, you know. Uh, Jonah had trouble with that. Uh, you know the, the story on him. Everybody knows about the big fish that gobbled him up and spit him out. But, but, but the process of getting there, God called Jonah to go give a message to the town of Nineveh. Jonah said, I don't want nothing to do with that. So he hopped on a boat and tried to run away from God, which was a bad plan. Because God's everywhere. Where are you going to run on this earth where God can't find you? You know. So he didn't think that all the way through. So Jonah hops on his boat and runs away from the Lord. Uh, God sends a big storm to stop him. You know, sometimes God will just do stuff in life in a season of disobedience to hit the brakes on what's going on and to get us to stop and to pause and reflect, to get our attention, not to break all hell loose in our life, but to get our attention because his motivation is always to change. You know what I mean? He's wanting us to go in the right direction. So he gets thrown overboard and this big fish comes along and gulps him up. Now, I hear a lot of pushback sometimes on, on the Jonah thing. And they're like, they're like, well, how can a big fish swallow a human. Have you ever looked at the stuff swimming around in the ocean? You know what I mean? Like, it is more than highly probable that a big fish, like here's a video clip of just a blue whale. This is the largest known creature in the ocean right now. These things are huge. Look how big that thing is. The heart of a blue whale weighs somewhere between 1,800 pounds and a little over a ton. It's the same size as a small car, just its heart. It's amazing. Like the bowels inside a blue whale, a human being could just swim around. There's just that much room to swim around. These things are huge. So let's just say, for instance, God sent a whale. The Bible calls it a big fish, so we don't know if it was a whale or not, but this would be a good candidate. There would be more than enough room for a human to chill out in its stomach for a few days. More than enough room. I was told this morning, it's wigged me out, I didn't know this, but there's actually been reports of people being swallowed by whales outside of Jonah. There was one guy who was swallowed by a sperm whale, and uh, they thought the guy was dead, and people, I guess, uh, got the whale a couple of days later, opened it up, and the man was still alive inside the whale a couple of days later. Well, that's a story that will trump every story at a dinner table. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's how I got to meet Brett Favre out there on the football field. Oh, that's cool. Let me tell you about the time I got swallowed by a whale and got cut out two days later. You, know, you can't beat something. Like, the only thing that could beat that is like you were dead and got brought back to life or like you've been to outer space. Yeah. You know, like outer space and death stuff, that trumps everything. <laughs> but, but Jonah get swallowed by this big fish and then spit back out on the shore. Can you imagine? Like, I look at the Bible with a different angle sometimes. So this fish or this whale swims up to the shore and bleh, vomits Jonah out on the shore. All right. Can you imagine if there was a fisherman on the beach with his line out in the water trying to catch dinner or something and then his buddies there with him and here comes this big whale or this big fish Harold look at this Harold look at this here it comes swims up to the beach and then 
spits out Jonah. He hits the beach. He's got to be bleached white from the stomach juices in this fish, right? Can you imagine what boy's going to be smelling like? My buddy needed a shower in a bad way. So he's probably all bleached out, smelling like stank, and then he's covered with seaweed more than likely and vomit from this fish. This guy gets up on the beach and looks at these fishermen and says, repent. Can you imagine? You know what I mean? I'd be listening. If I saw all that happen, I'd be like, yes, sir, I guarantee you. I'm not fully convinced that the story of what Jonah looked like when he got spit out of that well didn't play a big part in the change in Nineveh. Hey, this is well guy. This is a big fish guy. You know, this is... Um, so, so it's crazy when you think about all the stuff that Jonah went through. So he's on the beach, and in Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse 1, something begins to happen in Jonah's life. He's been in the belly of this fish. He's had a change of heart. He repented before the Lord. He began to worship the Lord again. He said, whatever I vow to you, I will follow through on. So now he's on the shore, and the Bible says, then... The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. Everybody hold up two fingers. A second time. I love this. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. I love that all this adventure that Jonah went on, doing his best to get away from God, okay, on the boat, over the boat, in the ocean, to the bottom of the sea, swallowed by this fish, spit back up. All this, all this runaround that Jonah did, when he got back, had a change of heart, and landed on the shore, God told him to do the exact same thing he told him to do in the first place. It doesn't matter how far we run, we're not going to change God's mind. And when we come back to him, he's going to say, okay, let's get going with this thing and pick it back up. And move forward. I love this. Like, I like, <laughs> I like what he says to him. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I give you. If if this happened in the south, God would have said, "Boy, get back up and get out there and go ahead and do what I done told you to do." Yeah, let's get busy doing what I told you to do. I'm very grateful today that we serve a God of second chances. Yeah. Anybody in here ever need a second chance in your life? Oh, man. Both hands, and if I could throw up two feet without falling down, I'd do it. I guarantee you. Second chance, third, fourth, fifth. I have, I have blown it big time. But the beautiful thing is that God has taught me, and I have learned from my mistakes. And I'm just so grateful that we serve a God of second chances. Yeah. Proverbs 24:16 reads like this. It says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. The wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The, the righteous fall seven times, and they rise again. I think about um, David in the Old Testament and how he blew it big time, and he got a second chance. I think about Abraham and how he made the mistake of trying to give his own adaptation of what God had called him to do. So his plan was going to be better than God's plan, and God gave him a second chance. I think about Elijah um, <laughs> hitting the place where he wanted nothing to do with what God had called him to do, and he got a second chance. I think about the disciples, especially Peter, and how God gave him a second 
chance to follow through on who he was calling him to be. And I'm looking at the faces in here, and I could just go second chance, second chance, second chance, second chance, second chance, second chance. This room is full of people that God has given second chances to. I love how this is phrased. It says, though the righteous fall seven times. When you see the number seven in Scripture, it's good to hit pause and pay attention to what's going on around it. Numbers are symbolic a lot of times in Scripture, and the number seven is used a lot. You'll see it to represent completion or perfection. Completion or perfection in the Word of God. And then he says, though the righteous fall seven times. In other words, though, though they're screw up, it's complete and perfect. They have been 100% accurate in royally screwing up their lives. You ever been there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though they had jacked it up to, I mean, to the T, perfect. They could not have train wrecked things any better. They rise again because we serve a God of second chances. Second chances. Listen, I guarantee you there's not one person in this building right now that's on try one. We could go seat and row right there. Try 15, try 48. He's a Bama fan, so he's on like 285. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's just, there's just. God. Now, I will do this because I think that it is worthy. He said one for every championship. Have you ever known a Bama fan that has not brought that up ever? We get it. We get it. Y'all cheat a lot. We get it. But still. So just <laughs> I, mean, I got to watch out. We'll split the church this morning. God won't be able to do what he wants to do. We'll lose control of the whole thing over college football. And I thank God that I, this time that I've been in my life, I feel like I have just royally screwed things up. He's always been there to give a second chance. And if you want to look at the life of Jonah, he really wasn't being given a second chance. Uh, he'd already been given a lot of opportunities to right this ship and get it going in the right direction. Uh, but he just kept saying no to the Lord. God called him to go to Nineveh. Uh, Jonah went the other direction, said, nah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to run away. All right. So Jonah gets on the boat. God sends a storm. And the sailors on the boat go down and wake him up. And they say, hey, homie, uh, this place is falling apart. Why don't you wake up and start praying to your God like we're praying to our God right now because it's really bad out there. And he doesn't do it. There's another opportunity for change, and Jonah doesn't take it. They get up on the deck of the boat. And the storm is happening, and they draw lots. The lot falls on Jonah. So if there was any doubt whose fault this was, it is no longer in existence. Everybody knows, bro, this is your fault. You need to do something to fix this. And when they knew it was his fault, Jonah didn't cry out to the Lord or change. When they threw him overboard, he had an opportunity again and didn't take it. Jonah was stubborn in the wrong way. You know what I mean? You ever known somebody like that? It just doesn't matter how many times you tell them the truth. They're just going to do it their own way and just blow the whole thing up. This was Jonah in this season of his life. This is what I love. That despite how many times we may blow it, regardless of what we've done in our past, what I love is that your sin, my sin, and mistakes are not too much for the cross. Yeah. 
They are not too much for the cross. Can anybody in here say praise God for his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy towards us? It's not too much for the cross. We still serve a God that says, hey, if you will come to me and confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive it. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. And when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, he meant it was finished. It was done. The price was paid. There is nothing you can do that the blood of Jesus has not provided forgiveness for or restoration for. It doesn't matter if you have dialed up a seven and made the perfect mess out of your life. It is not too much for the cross of Christ. Get back to the cross. Ask for forgiveness. Get back on track and do what God has called you to do. Your sin does not intimidate God. God one bit, one bit. He's still just and faithful to forgive. My God, I could shout on that all day long. Just think about how his grace and his mercy covers, and he doesn't have to, but he does. It's so humbling. It's so humbling. So Jonah gets this second chance, and what I, what I love about this is when we look at our lives, we see that this is like the 15th time we screwed this up. That, that we promised God that we wouldn't look at porn anymore. Then we found ourselves alone in the house, and we did again. That we promised God that we weren't going to turn to a bottle to escape the stress of a moment in our lives. That, that we weren't going to try to find an escape instead of moving close to Him and allowing His peace to sustain us instead of a substitute. Now, we see all of those things time and time again. I promised God that I was going to stay away from toxic men, but He just looked too good in those jeans, and I couldn't help myself, so here we go again. I get it. Not that I understand that a man looks good in jeans. That'll be a you thing. Let me fix that. Let me fix that. People will be sending me pictures of Tom Selleck in blue jeans or something like that. Look, man, I don't need that. But we see all the stuff that we did to fail. But don't forget this, that God's memory works different from ours. Come on. Preach it. Works different from ours. In fact, when, when we sin and we come back to Him and we ask for repentance, what God does is, this is what the Bible says, He takes that sin. The Bible says, throws it as far as the east is from the west. Yes. That's a long way. It's yes. a long way. He throws it out the house. The Bible says that it goes into something called the sea of forgetfulness. This is what this means. It might have been mistake number 21, but if you've repented and you've asked God to forgive, when you come back to Him, it's a second chance. It's not 15, 20, 25, 150, or for a Bama fan, 285. It doesn't matter. It's a second chance because when he forgives it, he forgets about it. He's got a power that we don't have because it's, it's kind of hard to forgive somebody and forget about what they did. But forgiveness can't take place until that stuff all works its way out. And God, when he forgives, he, gives, he forgives perfectly. Without fault. Without fault. That's why we, when we go to the God, we can go to Him with boldness. We can go to Him with confidence. We can go to Him knowing that in His eyes, it's just the second time. Yeah. That it's the second chance. It's the second chance. I praise God that we serve a God of second 
chances. Second chances. It's never too late. Now, what the devil will do is he'll remind you of the 80-something times that you've messed up because he wants to condemn you, but God's not about that. Not in this season, not under grace. He'll bring conviction, but not condemnation. See, the enemy will try to get you to run from the Lord, but God's saying, hey, come on, come on, come on. It doesn't matter what you think you've done. It's never too much for the blood of my son to cover. He's a God of second chances. So Jonah's out there getting this second chance, and this is amazing to me. Uh, Jonah 3, verse 3. <laughs> this is a key word here. The Bible says that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So now he's on track. He's doing this thing right. He obeyed and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a large city, and it took three days to go through it. That's a big town. He obeyed. That's key. He obeyed. See, he repented and got things right in the whale or the large fish, but it wasn't until he obeyed and went and did that things really started moving in his life. Yes. You understand? Yeah. Big difference there. Now, if you look through the book of Jonah, you'll see kind of a theme. Um, God calls Jonah. Jonah runs. God sends a storm. Jonah gets thrown into the sea. So he runs, and God, he gets thrown into the sea. Jonah prays and repents, and then the fourth will on that car is that Jonah obeyed and he went. Yes. You understand? He obeyed and he went. The problem with too many Christians, the problem with too many churchgoers is we got the first three in that series down pat. Come on now. Uh, God will tell us not to do something or he'll lead us to do something, and we'll be like, uh-uh, ah, we're going to run away from that. <laughs> then God will bring something into our lives to get our attention or because we have opened the door all hell starts to break loose in our life because we have stepped out of obedience. Boy, nobody preaches about that stuff a lot in churches nowadays. You know what I mean? We, we blame the devil and we ask God why, but we never stop to think about the front door that we've left open for all that crap to come into our house. You know, we make sure the door is shut. When you're not obedient, the door stays open. Because you're under that covering and protection that obedience gives. So, so we'll pray then and we'll repent and say, I'm sorry. But instead of being obedient and going, we start the same process over again. God, I know. Then we run from it. Whether he's calling us to do it or it's a pet sin in our lives or he's saying stay away from the relationship or to move the toxic people out or whatever it is. Yes, God, I will do that. Uh, no, I'm going to run. Run over here. It gets bad. We come to our senses. Lord, 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 please forgive me. And then we go back and start this cycle all again. Let me encourage you. Break that cycle. Break that cycle. Break that cycle. I got news for you. I got news for you. And this might be a wake-up call for some of you. Listen, prayer, worship, and generosity are never an acceptable substitute for obedience in your life. Never. Never, ever. Boy, we look good when we're crying out to God when all hell's breaking loose in our lives. Oh, God, set me free. Oh, God, move mountains. Oh, God, I need you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous. And God says, that doesn't mean, Jack, I want you to be obedient to what I've called you to do. Yes. Yes. Obedience 
is greater than sacrifice according to the kingdom of God. See, we pray and we worship and we give out of obedience to the Lord, not as a substitute. I, most of the people that I have seen that are just witches and warlocks, most of the people that I have seen that are putting on the front, that are doing that fake Christian thing, you know what I'm, y'all seen people like that? Boy, they play the part good. They are real spiritual. And they're not obedient. And there's a difference. There's a difference. God's not impressed with any of that. He wants obedience. And that's what the game changer was for Jonah. He was obedient and did what God had called him to do. So Jonah shows up in Nineveh in Jonah 3, verse 4. Um, he began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Boy, that's some awesome news, isn't it? 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. Hold up. The Ninevites believed God. Remember, Nineveh was in the Assyrian kingdom. These people were brutal. Okay, these are the people that would bury you in the ground up to your neck and then stake your tongue to the ground so you would die of exposure and thirst. They were a different level of mean. These are the people that would skin people alive and hang the skins on the walls of the cities and their kingdoms so people would know you don't mess with us. These were bad people. But when Jonah brings the word of the Lord, the Ninevites believe God. Let me encourage you, listen, it doesn't matter how big and bad somebody looks. It doesn't matter how gone they seem to be spiritually. One word from the Lord could change their life. And whether or not we're obedient to deliver it, now that's the key. That's the key. Don't let anybody intimidate you. Don't let anybody kind of push you back. Anybody can be reached for the gospel of Jesus. I'll say it again. Anyone can be reached with the gospel of Jesus. Even a Georgia fan can be reached for the gospel of Jesus. I'm telling you, can be reached with a guy. I got to make sure I'm fair in the room. I got to make my rounds and get everybody this morning. So Jonah goes through and he preaches. The Ninevites believe God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warnings reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Anytime you see somebody in Scripture covering themselves with sackcloth and ash, boy, that's a position of humility. It's a position of repentance. It's a, it's a position of debasement, saying, I am less God. You are great. I humble myself. It's a position of repentance. And this is what these people were doing. They were repenting. They were repenting. They were taking the position of repentance. And he said, this is the proclamation that he issued in Nineveh. It says, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink. Now it's official policy in the land. But let people and animals, not just the people doing this, but their animals. So the dogs, the cats, the donkeys, the cows, whatever, are putting on sackcloth as symbolic repentance and humility. 
Then he says, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Now pay attention to this one. God saw what they did, the position that they took, the humility that they showed, and how they turned from their evil ways. Not just the spiritual act, but the obedience that was needed. He relented and did not bring the destruction he had threatened. We serve a God of second chances. See, God didn't send Jonah to pronounce judgment. He sent Jonah to give Nineveh an opportunity to change. See, that's the view of God you got to have. Now, the potential for the judgment was there. The potential for the bad day was there. But he didn't send Jonah there to release that. He sent Jonah there to prevent that. He sent Jonah there to give them an opportunity to change. When David had fell into sin, God sent Nathan, the prophet, to him to confront him, to give him an opportunity to change. And you know the beautiful thing about the gospel is that Jesus, when he went up on that cross and he bled for us and paid the price for our sins, gives us the same opportunity to change the same opportunity to change. Regardless of what's happened in life, regardless of what has gone on, regardless of how many mistakes we've made, He's still the God that gives us second chances. In fact, if you look again at the book of Jonah, you're going to see a lot of people got second chances, not just Jonah. Jonah obviously got a second chance to do what God said told him to do, but the sailors on the boat that Jonah was on got a second chance. Before Jonah was thrown off the boat, those sailors were crying out to the God of Israel and made him their God. They got a second chance. And out of that second chance that Jonah got, Nineveh got a second chance. Over 120,000 people got a second chance. What I love about God is He's not a respecter of persons. You guys watching online or listening to this later, He's still a God of second chances today. For us in this room, He's still a God of second chances today. A friend of mine let me borrow these belts. Keith, thank you for sharing your toys. I appreciate that. I saw this video, and man, it made such a powerful point to me. I had to share this today. In martial arts, typically you start out with a white belt. Then you get your stripes, and you progress from different colors of belts till you land on a black belt. Once you reach the black belt status, then there's different degrees that you can progress in at the black belt level. Now, white belt to black belt... There's years of dedication and practice and discipline necessary to earn the right to wear this thing. They don't just hand them out. You have to earn it. So it's more than decoration on your gi. It's a statement about the price that you paid. If you see somebody with a black belt or you know somebody that is a black belt, let me give you a word of wisdom. Don't mess with them. 
Don't mess with them. They will kick you in places you didn't know you could be kicked in. Black belts can get it done, but they don't train to be at this level to be able to abuse people. They train to be at this level to avoid the issue, to de-escalate, to stay in control of their environment and what's happened. And should the need for them to protect themselves come up, they're trained in a way to end it quickly so that the least amount of harm and damage can be done for them to be able to walk away from the encounter. It's crazy. A lot of work goes into being a black belt. The instructor was asked, which belt along the way in earning a black belt he felt was the most difficult. And the guy asked him, he said, well, obviously it's got to be the black belt, right? That's, the, that's the, the hardest one to earn. And he said, no. About the yellow belt, no, it's not yellow belt. It's actually none of those belts. The, the most difficult belt to get in martial arts many times is this one. Because to get the white belt, it means that you have to begin. And for many people, just starting the process is the biggest obstacle of all. So once you get going, the momentum from the start can carry you one step at a time as you go along the way. I think many times the same is true for us in getting our lives back with God the way it should be, and getting Jesus on the throne of our hearts and coming back for that second chance that we need in life to realign with his will. We get caught up in all of this stuff, but God's just interested in this right here. He says, will you start? Will you take the first step? Will you, will you just trust me and take the first step and let me help you get this thing going? If you will do this, I will get you to this. But it's this right here that the enemy hits us the hardest on to keep us out of the process. I want to show you a picture. <laughs> this is a photo somebody found recently and sent over to me. That dude in the little red thing right there, that's me. In this picture, I was probably 20, going on 21, somewhere in there. When you look at this picture, it looks like a guy that's just worshiping the Lord and looking mature compared to other people that might be sitting in the back, whatever. I, I, I don't remember that particular service, but I remember that season in my life. Because, see, that's, that's more than a guy who's worshiping in that moment. You're looking at a picture of a guy that God was putting back together. I won't bore you with all the details. Anybody ever been hurt in church before? Anybody ever had some messed up stuff happen to you in life and have people that you thought you could trust turn their back on you and walk away? You know what it's like to walk in a room where people are talking and then they just get quiet because you were the one that they were talking about? You know what I mean? Be devastated. This is a guy that was called into ministry, knew he was called into ministry, had some jacked up stuff happen in his life and then got hurt in a savage way by the church. This is a guy 
that had run from the Lord, who had tried to bury himself in a bottle to hide the pain, who would have been right there with Jonah on the boat. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Let's go. Trying to get as far away from God as I possibly could. But I got a second chance. When I saw this picture, it kind of wrecked me because I remember the season. And I remember how God just stripped me down to nothing and then put me back together again. And he reaffirmed his call on my life and he healed me and he restored me. He's put me back together in a beautiful way. I could take you to that old building and I could show you a spot in that season and an altar in one building and then the next where I was always going to be there because God was always going to be doing something in me. It was a season of restoration and rebuilding where God was just saying, son, let's do this again. You know, since that day, I've had other second chances. I'm here to tell you this, that if God can do it in my life and in my heart, if God can do it in me, and he can do the same thing in you. He can do the same thing in you. And I wonder today, there might be some of us here that just need a second chance, that need to get back on track that need to go through the process that I went through. You have not gone too far for God to be able to use you. There hasn't been too much life happen to you that God can't heal and restore and put you back together. Sometimes we all need a second chance. And God's here today to give second chances to all of us. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. <laughs> you hear this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, <laughs> I need that second chance. I've been running from God. I, I've been so beat up by life. I've just about given up on God being able to do anything in me and through me or with me. I'm here to tell you we still serve a God of second chances. The trick is for us to take the first step. We just got to take that first step towards him, and then he takes care of the rest. That first step in obedience. You're here this morning, and you know Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, but you want him to be. You're ready for a second chance. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but your life has just drifted away from anything that remotely resembles God or a relationship with Him. There's a second chance here for you today. Now life is beating you up. You're buried in chains of hurt and destruction and betrayal. And I'm here to tell you that there's a second chance here for you today. If you're here this morning, and you know, I need a second chance 
Pastor Josh, I need a second chance. We don't need to know the details. That's between you and the Lord. You're here today and you know you need a second chance. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. This is for you. It's time to get back on track. It's time to get back on track. Here we go. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your eyes up and look at me right now. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. Praise God. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see your Praise God. I see you in the back right there. Once you lift your eyes, you can put them back down. I see you right there. Pastor Josh, I need a second chance this morning. You know the reason. You know the deal. We all know that the Lord is here for you today. He's not a respecter of persons. If he can do it for everyone else in this room, he can do it for you. If you have not lifted your eyes yet, and you know you need to, lift them up and look at me. Pastor Josh, I need to get back on track. I need a second chance. I need to realign myself with the will of God. I say, I see you right there. Praise God. Praise God. All across this place, let's just stand to our feet this morning. There's a lot of us that responded. A lot of us that responded this morning. First thing I'm going to do is this. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer of repentance, okay, so that we can settle the issue of lordship in our heart. Now, there's nothing magical about this prayer. We're all fixing to pray. God's going to respond to your heart. What I'm doing is we're just putting words to what's already happened in your heart. The Bible does say that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So we're going to be confessing also this morning. So if Jesus doesn't have that place of lordship in your life, let's take care of that first. Amen? All right, let's do this. Everyone pray this prayer and repeat it after me. And if you know you're in a spot where you need to get right with the Lord, take this opportunity and get right with Him. Here we go. Everyone repeat this. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And I ask for your forgiveness. I repent. That means I turn away from my old way of life. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. You're in control, not me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that I am now a child of God. Let's give God praise in the house this morning. Second chances, second chances are one of the most beautiful things that can happen. We all need them. Let me encourage you, walk this out in obedience to Him. Let me pray over, a lot of eyes came up that said we need second chances. Let me pray over you right now. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough <laughs> to give us this word today. Thank you, Father, for, for sending your truth to keep us on track. Lord, we thank you that you're a God of second chances. And that doesn't mean that we abuse your grace. But, Father, we take the opportunity to let grace teach us in this moment to say no to the sin that has us in the situation that we're in. Lord, we choose to be obedient to you. Not our will, not our emotions, not someone else's opinion, but obedient to you. 
your word and who you're calling us to be. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that faith would rise up in all of us, that trust would rise up in all of us, Lord, in you to take that first step of obedience towards you to start this process of a second chance all over again, Lord. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for your truth. Thank you for loving us enough to not give up on us. God, thank you for loving us enough to keep no record once we've repented of the sin and the mistakes. Lord, I think you knew in advance that we were going to be the kind of people that needed that. Thank you, Father, that you thought ahead. <laughs> thank you, Father for your forgiveness, your restoration. Father, I thank you more for the promise that is set before us. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your purpose. Lord, we submit to all of it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God some big praise in the house this morning. So worthy. So worthy.